CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Thursday's edition of To Every Man and Answer, the last broadcast of To Every Man and Answer this year. And so I just want to say especially Happy New Year to all of you and uh, looking forward to a brand new year. You know, a lot of times we think about a new year, mistakes of the past year, and the things that we hope for in the new. And, you know, one of the things that you'll never go wrong is desiring to know God better. Faith cometh by hearing, the Bible says, and hearing by the Word of God. And so if you want to know, have more faith, well, again, it comes through God's Word. And so as we dedicate ourselves to really knowing what the Bible says, I think it's so important that we make defense for our faith. You know, a lot of people say, well, I, I just believe in loving one another. I don't really have an opinion about the Bible or doctrine or anything like that. Well, that's part of the problem. Because if you read the Bible, you will have an opinion. See, if I'm ignorant to the things of God, if I have deliberately, actually, many people have made themselves ignorant, um, well, I don't really have an opinion on the LGBT gang. I don't really have an opinion on abortion. I I really don't have an opinion on, on some of the policies that our lawmakers are making that eventually are going to take away our religious freedom. When you don't really know you don't have an opinion. But you see, I believe this is why, as Jesus said, we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Because if we don't know what the Bible says, then anything goes. We can begin to accept things completely unbiblical as biblical because, well, it it, it seems to be kind of Christian, so therefore it must be. Well, this is the problem, and this is what the Bible talks about for all of us to earnestly contend for the faith. And again, when we really look at what the Bible has to say about the days that we're living in, the Bible says when the Christ comes, will he find faith on the earth? And I don't believe faith that God exists or things, but I mean faith in him, knowing what his word says, standing for what his word says. Well, you know, I really don't have an opinion. You know, all paths lead to God. I'm cool, you're cool, cuckoo cachoo, let's all just groove together. That's not what the Bible says. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And in that verse, Jesus categorically said that all the other religions of the world are bogus. That's right. I didn't say it, Jesus said it. You talk to people today and they, you know, you'll ask them a question about You ever read the Bible? Oh, yeah, 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 I read the Bible. Uh, What do you think of Jesus? Oh, yeah, yeah, he he was one of the greats. There was Buddha, Muhammad, uh, Jesus, uh, uh, you know, Martin Luther. You know, he's just one of the greats. Well, let me ask you a question. Have you ever really studied what Jesus said? Oh, yeah, yeah, that whole love, you know, groove together thing. Yeah, I, I know all about it. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, he's a good man. No, no, have you ever read where Jesus said that we'll die in our sins? unless our sins are forgiven. And have you ever read where Jesus said, as an example again, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No one comes to the Father but by me. Now we have an issue, because either Jesus is the only way to the Father, or, everybody, he's not great. Because if there's other ways to eternal life, by being a good moral person, uh, keeping your church commandments, uh, uh, you know, uh, believing in whatever vein of religion you've involved yourself in, you know, if that's all true, well, now we've got a real issue, don't we? Because Jesus, if he is the only way, he says the he's the only way, then that makes him truthful or it makes him a liar and a lunatic. So we got a real problem here. If he is the only way, then we can't say that he's one of the greats because he categorically said the others are false. So this is why, again, I believe we need, as the Bible says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman not to be ashamed. And so as we set this time aside, as we did this entire year, answering questions about the Bible from the Bible, looking at what the Bible has to say about the days that we live in, the conditions that surround us. I believe, everyone, we are living in such incredible times. You know, I've shared this a couple times before, but, you know, when we stop to think of being born at the time of Jesus and seeing the miracles that Jesus did and the dead coming back to life and the deaf hear and the blind see, you go, wow, what an incredible time that would have been to live on this earth. But friends, we're living in just as an incredible time because all the prophecies going way back to the Old Testament are coming true right before our eyes today, unparalleled in the history of the world. Now, people have said, since our fathers fell asleep, all things remain as they are. Just exactly what the Bible said they'd say, because they fail, they fail to interpret the data at hand. We have underdeveloped nations, the thirtieth poorest country on earth, North Korea, now developing nuclear weapons. Friends, I don't care if a bomb is made in North Korea or Russia or America or China, it'll wreck your day. We're not living in a time that we were in a hundred years ago. We're living in a time now where one person can push a button and ruin the earth. Now, maybe not a direct hit, but the nuclear contamination from their unrefined, dirty atomic bombs, killing everything in the sea. Hmm, interesting. The book of Revelation says every living thing in the sea dies. Wow, how could that be? Well, we all noticed that uh, North Korea's uh, missiles and rockets never make their destination. They usually blow up in the sea. Now, what if one's nuclear tipped and contaminates the fish? And the fish that eat the fish that are contaminated, they become radiated. Well, it isn't very long before we see a sea, an ocean, and oceans not living any longer. Every tree is burned up. All the, all the green is burned up on the earth. During the tribulation period, friend, it's not a good time. And that's why today is the appointed day of salvation. Just think, if you're not a Christian, you've got a whole new year to lay up for yourself treasure in heaven by accepting what Jesus did for you on the cross and that you can actually have a new life. And isn't that what you need? Do you want another year like you just had? Or do you want a year that, will, that would reflect God's glory living through your life? 
You know, the Bible tells us one life is going to be over. This life will be over, and then eternity. So we have to think about it. God, the Bible says, stands waiting for us to respond to that great gift of love. I pray in this new year and this New Year's resolution for all of us that we would desire to come closer to Christ in these days that we live. And so it's so important to be about our Father's business. It's been a real blessing to um, be with you. I know sometimes I get quite fired up. Um, That's because I read the Bible, I have an opinion. Uh, And I, I don't wish to ever offend anybody. I'm not here to put down religions. I'm not here to put down anybody. I'm here to lift people up. But I just think how sad it is that people believe religion thinking they're going to get something in eternity out of what they did here all for nothing. You see, the Bible says all our righteousness, all the religious things we could do are filthy rags. That's what it says. There's only one righteous, that's Jesus. He offers you and me this robe of righteousness that we wear that makes us holy. And that, friends, is the good news of the gospel. We go to heaven because he's good, not because we are. So in this new year, I pray that... uh, you and the Lord get closer and closer together. I want to thank everybody that makes CSN possible. Uh, really, from my heart to yours, uh, without it, can't we could never do this. And uh, we don't have some mega church behind us that's making this all happen. No, no, it's just a bunch of fellow Christians, just like you, me. We're all in this together to to preach the gospel, not uh, not having begathons. Share-a-thons. I'm not saying necessarily that's wrong, but you know, I don't want to put Jesus in the breadline uh, to communicate the gospel. And I just want to say thank you for all of you that prayed for us, all of you that support us and the programs that we have on CSN, because they're what make all this work. I don't think we've got a whole lot longer to go in this world. I, I base that upon what we find in Luke chapter 21, Jesus talking about uh, Jerusalem um, uh, being reborn, being the capital of Israel, and Jesus going on farther in the chapter saying of the generation that sees these things, speaking of the rebirth of uh, Jerusalem, will not pass away till all the things written about the end times are fulfilled. And uh, I think we're in exciting times. And that's why I believe the Bible says work for the for the night is coming. And we want to be very, very aware of where we're at. Don't let the things of this world overwhelm you and and break your heart. I I know we've all had broken hearts, and we sometimes say, well, God, you're God. You can do anything. Why do you allow me to go through the pain and the tears and things we all have, I have? I just want you to know that great is your reward in heaven. Don't take your eyes off off of Jesus. Um, It's it's why we're here and what it's about. And, and, you know, endeavoring always to keep Jesus first, keep him the main thing. And uh, again, great is your reward in heaven. 8888, ASCIA sends the number to call. And uh, with that, we're going to go to Ron Prescott, Arizona. Hi, welcome. Good afternoon, Pastor Mike. In John eight thirty three, the Lord's talking about being free. And the Pharisees say, we have never been enslaved to anyone. 
how could they possibly say that when the Hebrew people have been enslaved by uh, several nations and currently were enslaved by the Romans? Well, I believe that, again, spiritual ignorance and arrogance is the demise of anyone. And certainly they were saying this. And this shows you how lost they were, because as a matter of fact, uh, they were ruled by seven different nations going back to the book of Judges. And currently, when they said this remark, they were under subject to Rome. So it shows really their foolishness. And it shows their stiff-neckedness that they really hadn't understood God's judgment upon them. And this is one of the great problems that we find all the way through the Bible. People uh, don't understand or or, or they misinterpret uh, uh, God's dealing with them. Uh, Whether it's a person that's in sin, God hasn't immediately judged them, you know, brought a calamity in their life. And they go, oh, well, you know, I'm in sin and hey, you know, I'm cool, you're cool. Uh, You know, if God cared, he would have already done something by now. No, you're living in God's mercy, not because God doesn't care. And I think this is a lot of what the the Jewish nation was under. They, uh, what had blinded the Jews was that they were God's, in their mind, were God's chosen people. Um, Our father Abraham taught us, or Moses taught us, It never is our personal relationship with God. Very much the same way Saul in the Old Testament, first king of Israel, would talk about God. He would look at Samuel and say, the Lord, your God. He'd never say the Lord, my God. Well, it's because really they were still serving themselves. All of them were. And pride blocks a person from understanding that this is what made John the Baptist's ministry so unusual is he came to the Jewish nation. Now, in order to convert again to Judaism, you would renounce your pagan deity, the Athrasts, the Baals, or whatever. You'd renounce that. You would embrace Yahweh as your God in the Old Testament, and then you would take a ceremonial washing, a baptism, if you will. John came to the Jewish nation, saying, you, Jewish nation, you need to take a ceremonial washing. And this is why why John the Baptist's ministry didn't go over real well with the Pharisees any more than Jesus' ministry did. Is because, you see, they believed they inherited their, their uh, rightness with God rather than it being a heart change. And so when John came to the Jewish nation saying, you Jewish nation, you need to take a ceremonial washing, you're that far away from God that you don't even know who you worship anymore. That was radical. And so because of that, it shows the blindness and what spiritual pride does, saying, look, I'm okay because I'm a descendant of Abraham, rather than I'm okay because I have a personal relationship with God. And I believe, Ron, uh, not only do we find it here, but all the way through the New Testament, which eventually led to Jesus' crucifixion, shows how blind and how rebellious to God, in fact, they really were. I hope that helps. Yeah, I think uh, uh, something that goes along with what you're saying is they kept saying we are um, disciples of Moses. Yeah, yeah. And and you would think they would say we're disciples of God. Um, uh, we are disciples of Jesus Christ, who, by the way, is God. So we're, we can say that. 
But you see, the thing is, they didn't know God. They knew about God, but they didn't know God. And I believe this is in part why today things are still blinded from their eyes. Because pride, spiritual pride, blinds us to the reality of just about everything. It, it, spiritual pride can be in a person that's not even born again. Hey, I'm going to beat the rap on death. I'm not going to die. I feel good. I'm feeling good, feeling right. It's Saturday night. Hey, I don't have anything to worry about. Not realizing you're a heartbeat away, a car wreck away from going into eternity. See, and, and pride blinds people to that. Spiritual pride can be, I believe, in myself. Look, look how many cartoon uh, programs now you hear over and over again, believe in yourself. Well, you know, the problem with that is that if you really know who you are, you're going to find yourself to be alone, empty, and without answers. That's the truth. Because we don't know tomorrow. And how can I make plans for tomorrow when I'm not even certain what's going to happen tomorrow? See, that's why we have to have somebody outside of our time domain, God, that directs our lives to have us where he wants us to be, not hinged upon maybe our viewpoint of future, but rather God's viewpoint of what's going to happen in the future and as is at the right place at the right time. It's called God's divine providence. So important. Hope that helps, Ron. Thank you much, Pastor. God bless you, and uh, Happy New Year to you. And uh, again, Looking forward to the great things God will do. If you don't have uh, some of the latest things we're giving away, stay in line. We'll get those out to you. And with that, we'll go to Jeffrey in Mineral Wells, Texas. Hi and welcome. Hey, Pastor Mike. I just want to say potato, first of all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, see, in Hawaii, they go aloha. So we have to have some kind of a, a thing. So potato, if you're from Idaho. Okay, sorry about that. Anyway, Jeffrey, how can we help? So I heard a, a fascinating uh, sermon this week by my pastor, who I, I consider doctrinally sound. Otherwise, I wouldn't be going to church there. And he was it was very compelling about, have you are you familiar in terms of the birthplace of Christ as potentially being the tower of the flock, at, also known as Migdal Adair? I've heard of that. I don't know. I, I, I can't prove it. So I probably would not teach that. Now, now, there's some things that we do know, like the thre- threshing floor that David bought uh, where the temple ended up. Yes, we, we do know that. That 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 is provable. Um, but the exact location of where the manger was and where Jesus was born at the end didn't have a street address. It didn't have... And so that would be something that would be a little difficult to prove. I think some of these theories are kind of unique. I, I think that they, we go, mm, well, that's interesting, but I have to be real careful because, see, as an example on this program, if somebody says, uh, will you say something or whatever, and they say, prove it, and I can't, then I'm not being much of a, of, of a person, as a Bible revelator, I, I don't feel I've done a job. In other words, let me give you another example. Well, between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, there was a whole creation here, and devil got kicked out of heaven and corrupted everything, and so then God started over in Genesis 1-2. The problem is, can't prove it. It's not there at all. Not even really implied. Just somebody's idea. 
And so because of that, I stay away from those kind of things because what God's going to hold you and me, all of us as Christians, um, accountable for is God's word, his, his, his Bible. Uh, and, and, and so I, I don't, I'm not responsible for teaching the book of Enoch, uh, about, uh, uh, you know, the angels having sex with humans before the flood and making giants in the land. The Bible doesn't teach that. That is surmised and brought in. Now, they quote the book of Enoch, but the book of Enoch was rejected as scripture. So why would we quote from a book that are that the people that put the Bible together in 325 AD, why would they, why would you quote from a book that was rejected? The old saying, junk then, junk now. And so I really believe that that's kind of an interesting thought, the birthplace of Christ. But uh, we do know that out of Bethlehem, the Savior would come. And so, um, I, 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 like I say, that's about as far as I can go with that, Jeffrey. Yeah, okay. Well, I just was curious if you'd heard of it and if you're, you know, anything you've studied. But the, uh, it's just very compelling. And, uh, and the, the, it goes in, you know, the, uh, the, the, the talks about at this, uh, Tower of the Flock is that was a, that was where the, uh, Levitical priests, Levitical uh, shepherds, so to speak, the way they would tend to the flock that's headed for the temple, and they would, uh, you know, they would inspect them, and ensure that they're, you know, that they're they're okay for the temple, and so on. And uh, and and what he also talked about was the in the in the field in Luke two, uh, you know, in the field where the the shepherds were, the the angel never really gave any information, and it was kind of information that if you look into it, like the swaddling cloths, those were Always intended for uh, for the sheep. They would they would wrap their legs uh, in the in the swaddling cloth so they wouldn't jump up if they were considered good for temple sacrifice. So they wouldn't bump into a wall and get a bruise or or what have you. And anyway, this uh, it seemed like uh, as the angel said, you're going to find him in swaddling cloths in in a manger. And it the the reasoning would be that. Uh, that they they knew exactly where this was located because there was tons of mangers in in Bethlehem perhaps, and uh, uh, but one place where perhaps there might be swaddling cloths for the lamb. So it it was just fascinating, and um, it's, a, it's a it's a fascinating study. I've kind of been studying all week. But anyway, well, I, and, I, and I, actually, Jeffrey, there is even a whole lot more than just what what you just mentioned. Some people believe that the shepherds that were tending the flocks, the flocks were actually the lambs that were going to be offered uh, during Passover. Now, I think that's a very interesting thought. But again, you have a little bit of trouble if somebody looks at you and says, prove it, this is where the problems come in. Because swaddling cloths, or maybe the, uh, what the many cultures around the world and still do, is they'll wrap babies tightly when they're born uh, for several different reasons. But there is those claws that they weren't. Now, some people actually say that the swaddling claws, that when a baby was born, would actually be brought out when they're 13 years old at their bar mitzvah, and then eventually at their wedding. And so uh, it's kind of interesting to see uh, these different traditions that we hear of, the different uses of, as an example, swaddling clothes. But we need, again, to be careful I think they're interesting observations. I think they're, but I would have a hard time sometimes um, 
teaching those things without really honestly absolute proof. Because I believe, again, it just takes somebody. You know, uh, I, I try to deliver to everyone that listens, our church for over 40 years, uh, the Word of God. Uh, not a lot of fluff, not a lot of other stuff. And I know that in many times I will find people in different religions and the cults, they will make claims concerning who Jesus is or certain things that their church rituals hold on to. And uh, it's interesting, but when you say prove it from the Bible and it's not clearly spoken of, and what I'm saying is that there's not enough evidence that would cause you to come to that conclusion. Again, we don't know where the manger was. It didn't say uh, uh, there was no room at the inn by, uh, as an example, by the the um, tower of the flock. It doesn't say that. So this is what I'm saying. So are they interesting observations? Yes. If a person mentioned those, would they necessarily be a heretic? No. But when we really look, as the Bible says in the, in the book of Acts, uh, as the Bereans were, uh, they studied the, the scripture to see if these things are so. I believe that we need to really, um, in the New Testament, the Bereans said, study these things to see if they were so. I believe that we need to be able to uh, conclusively say, as it says in the book of Acts chapter 2, where the the uh, believers in Christ Jesus were there in the upper room. And Peter looks at the crowd, and some of them saying, these men are drunk with wine. Peter says they're not, being it's uh, only 9 o'clock in the morning. And then this is what he says. But this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. He directly references what they're believing, what they're seeing, to an actual place in the Bible where they can go and look at it. And I believe, Jeffrey, that is really important for us. Like I say, there's a lot of things sometimes in the Bible that I've seen that I wonder about. You want to know some of those things? I'll tell you very quickly. Um, as an example, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, three Hebrew children that were thrown into the fiery furnace because they wouldn't worship uh, the statue of Nebuchadnezzar in the valley in the plain. Okay, that's interesting. Where was Daniel? Now remember, they were all Hebrew children, carried away captive from Israel, brought there. Some people say, well, Daniel, as an example, is a type of the church that while the children of Israel were being persecuted, Daniel was missing. I think that's a pretty good interpretation. But to say for sure where Daniel was at, I can't because the Bible doesn't say it. Jeffrey, stay in line. We're coming back for more right after this. In 2007, when Dan Steiner, president of Preborn, cried out to God, what can I do for you? The answer came loud and clear. I sense God's broken heart over the issue of abortion. You see, he sees every little baby that's being formed in the mother's womb, and it breaks his heart to see when the lifetime that he has planned for them is taken from them violently so often. But if we can get a mom into one of our clinics and show her her baby, and she has that a close encounter of the best kind in her womb, she will choose life. 
Preborn network of clinics have rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion. To learn more about the life-saving work of Preborn, call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY. Or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. All gifts are tax-deductible. Your love can save a life. If you are 65 or older, you know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on health care costs is so frustrating. But here's some great news. If you were just notified that your Medicare costs are increasing, a program out there can really help you with your medical bills. And it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare 65+. plus. It's not insurance. Members actually say it's better. It's a Christian healthcare community that aligns with your faith and where people encourage and pray for you. And MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. You choose any Medicare provider, and you get telehealth access anytime you need it. And this is great, too. Unlike health insurance, you can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. So don't get stuck with increasing costs. Call MediShare 65 Plus and find out how much you can save. Call 833-90-SHARE. That's 833-90-SHARE. 833-90-SHARE. Back to Thursday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. I'm your host, Mike Kessler. And uh, again, the last day, uh, last live broadcast that we're going to do this year. Tomorrow, uh, we give our employees uh, half a day off, and all of those are who produce the program in the afternoon. So that's why we'll have a rerun tomorrow. But, you know, for us today, I, I just want to, again, as I started off the program, uh, to say thank you for all of you that pray for us, that support us. Uh, without you, we can't do what we do. And again, um, I just want to say, especially from my heart to yours, thank you. And may the Lord give you a very, very blessed new year in the days to come. You know, again, draw close to God. He'll draw close to us. That's what the Bible says. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You want to be more faithful in the new year? Read God's word. That's where it comes from. Jeffrey, I hope that answered it for you. And uh, if, uh, if you stay in line, I'll send you out some books, some DVDs. Oh, fantastic. I do appreciate everything. You did a great job. Appreciate Jeffrey, it. God bless you. Thanks so much for the call. Let's go to Pam, Lafayette, Louisiana. Hi, welcome. Hello. How Hi. are you, Pastor Mike? Good. How may we help? Great. Thank you. Uh, well, I have a question, but I want to thank you for riding home with me every day at 5 o'clock. So I do appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we get to uh, ride along with you. Hey, um, so I'm looking for a new study Bible, and I've I've looked at a few in the bookstores, like the Life Application. I'm wanting a new King James version, and uh, I've also looked on the CSN website and saw the Henry Morris Bible, but uh-huh. I'm just not sure what's a what is a good one. I like to read all the all this stuff. No, there, 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 there's a lot of good ones out there. There's the Ryrie Study Bible and others. Uh, a good place to go if you want to go for free, if you go to blueletterbible.org. 
And up in the upper left-hand side, it'll say study. You click on that, and it'll give you several options. It'll say um, printed study, audio study, video study. If you just go to the printed, and then I really like, um, there's several that I really enjoy. I I really like um, uh, Chuck Smith's, which I I think is really, really good. Uh, There's also... um, uh, Matthew Henry, if you want to get a perspective from the 1700s, I, I think that's kind of neat. Um, and there's there's many others that are there that are really good. And you can read along, and uh, there's just that line-by-line uh, line study through the Bible, and it's free. And so, Pam, that would be something that I would probably recommend. Um, and then I can send you a couple of uh, little smaller uh, list, little Bible study guides uh, our daily bread, a couple of things like that uh, for calling in today. But uh, I hope that would help. Yes, that really does. I do appreciate it because it can be confusing. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> I think that's really good. Uh, and uh, again, uh, if for people listening again, go to Blue Letter Bible, Blue Letter Bible dot org. When it comes up, you'll see in the upper left hand corner study. Click on that. And that'll give you commentaries from, um, oh, probably uh, a couple dozen uh, commentators there that are really good. I, I really like uh, Guzik's uh, as well. Extremely good. Uh, he's one of the guys that's involved with uh, Calvary, um, the university that we advertise here. Uh, and so you can look at his uh, Chuck Smith, somebody I just really enjoy, especially on end times. I think Chuck Smith does an excellent job um, because the 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 breast of the Bible does the commentary on the Book of Revelation. Unfortunately, you have a lot of times people making commentary on end time study, and they've never read the Bible all the way through. So this is going to cause a real anemic interpretation. Of, of the book of Revelation because they don't know the symbolism, the identifiers, and all those different things that bring the book of Revelation into um, a usable uh, prophecy that we can understand today. In other words, uh, when we see in the Bible uh, talks about the sun, the moon, and the stars bowed down, and we're going, oh, wow, that's really trippy. What is that? Well, if you go back to Genesis, this is describing the way Joseph described his dream that all the brothers would bow down to him, including his father and his mother would bow down to him. So when we look at the identifiers through the rest of the Bible, it helps us understand what the book of Revelation is about. And so many people that I see, and especially, especially the the onslaught of, of these people on the internet trying to interpret Revelation I don't even think they've read any of the Gospels, let alone anything else. And they're making these commentaries and Bible studies on these things. So if you go to Guzik, teaches Bible college, very good. Chuck Smith, again, very good. Uh, Matthew Henry for a really old interpretation. One of the things I like about Matthew Henry as an example, you go back to the 1700s and you read about where it talks about Jerusalem becoming a nation again, or a capital again, Israel becoming a nation again. And I like what Matthew Henry said. One of them, uh, one of the places it says, he said, it appears from reading this that the nation of Israel will once again be a nation. 
but I don't see how that could ever be. Wow. That's the way it looked in the 1700s. But today, the nation of Israel is back in its homeland against incredible odds. And Jerusalem being the capital with the same language that it was 3,000 years ago. Only God can do that. And so, uh, really uh, exciting. And uh, I hope that, uh, Pam, that'll give you a little insight there. Blueletterbible.org. Hit the study up on the top with a little with the little arrow, and then go to uh, printed commentaries. And then, again, uh, David Gusick, Chuck Smith is one I, I recommend, uh, are, are two of the best ones that I think is there. And again, David Gusick, teacher at uh, Calvary uh, Bible College. I think it's something you really, Calvary University, I think you really like it. Pam, hope that helps. Uh, it does. Thank you so much. I'm going to do that when I get home. And it's free. Wow, that's really good, too. I like that. Now, you can donate to blueletterbible.org, and I think they're very worthwhile to support, but they don't charge for their service there. So check that out. I think you'll enjoy it. Stand in line, Pam. Send you out some uh, books, some DVDs, and Happy New Year to you, and may the Lord give you a, a wonderful new year, okay? Thank you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. God bless you. Let's go to Carol, Montana. I welcome. Hi. um, I've got a question. My grandson, who is 13 years old, about four months ago, told me he was gay. Mm -hmm. And I said to him, how do you, uh, I said, how do you know you're gay? Well, I, I just am Nana. And I said, I said, who told you you were gay? And when I finally got it out of him, he was on some kind of discord with his gaming, and it was people who were were talking that were were gay people yep. professing to be gay. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I'm sitting here about ready to blow my stack because I'm thinking, why is his father letting this go on? And and number two, how do I talk to him to get him to understand? that this isn't right. You know, I'm going to be seeing him this summer and I want to, I really want to sit him down and talk to him about it, but I don't want to make him so uncomfortable that he's scared to, you know, scared to talk to me about it. Well, in my years of being around people that are 13 years old and remembering back when I was 13 years old, when you're 13 years old, you don't know what you are. Uh, one day there's nothing more than you want than a new skateboard. The next day you want a bicycle. The next day you want something else. You want a Game Boy or you want a, uh, you know, an Xbox or whatever. Uh, you know, when you're 13 years old, you're a whole uh, a bucket of emotions and a whole bucket of, of of all kinds of things, changes going on inside uh, their bodies. And so for anybody to say, well, at 13 I'm gay or whatever, they're just parroting something they heard from somewhere else or a suggestion. And this is one of the sad things that we find in our society today being bombarded, whether it be the Internet, uh, TV programs, movies, uh, this whole transgender, really absolutely mindless uh, behavior that you find. Uh, it's very clear, and science backs me up one hundred percent. Okay. There's two genders, male and female, your XY chromosomes, all that 
say exactly what you are. Now, you can cut your hair. You can put on a dress. You can, you can do whatever you want. Your chromosomes do not change. That's what you are. Now, I know that when it comes to um, modernism, science means nothing. Because it's how you feel about it now. If I feel like a girl today, then I can go into a girl's bathroom. It doesn't matter who you offend inside the girl's bathroom. If I feel like a man today, uh, then I can do whatever I want to do as well. See, this is the problem because now there's no absolutes. Years ago, uh, that infiltrated the colleges was relativism. Relativism means there's no truth. It's how you look at it. So true is only true when you look at it a certain way, but you look at it a different way, it's not true. This, of course, is a lie. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is truth. In fact, interestingly enough, Herod asked that question, what is truth? He didn't know. And when you stop to think about it, when in Jesus' interrogation, what is truth? This is where the problems come from. When you have a society where there's no absolutes, chaos reigns supreme. You have a man wearing a woman's dress, entering into women competition sports, taking all the scholarships away from real real women um, because I feel like a girl today. This is really the logic of people that have completely lost their minds. And this is the problem that we find today in America and globally. I believe this is why, and one of the principal reasons why, we're racing towards a global judgment. And so because of that, and honestly, apart from a global judgment, honestly, everyone, I don't see really any end to it. You see, uh, this is one of the problems that we run into, and God is obligated to judge a world. And when defenseless children, very possibly Carol, and like your like your grandson, and uh, these poor children, three and four years old, having their sexual organs chopped off because uh, the little girl thinks, well, I'm a boy. At four years old, you'd eat ice cream Sundays morning, noon, and night. They can't make decisions uh, for their even their diet, let alone their, their sex for the rest of their life. The insanity of what's reigning in our world today. The Bible says they walk in darkness. Darkness means you're unable to discern your right hand from your left. And when you look and see how dark our world becomes, how, as the Bible says, great is that darkness. The darkness has covered our land. And as a nation that once knew God has forsaken God, now insanity, total, pure insanity reigns supreme, where America doesn't even know what bathroom to go into anymore. You think it's sick, friends? Yeah. This is why the world is racing towards a judgment. Uh, Again, apart from God's judgment, I don't see any end to this. Because it's once they get a foothold. This is why God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And let me tell you something. I believe there was a whole lot more going on in Sodom and Gomorrah than Bill dating Fred. I think we're probably seeing a little bit of what's going on in our own society right now. 
And I, I believe that our world is headed for a judgment. It isn't just an American problem, though it's being perpetrated, generated by much of America and through Hollywood. And this is the new cool thing, man, around the world. I do believe it is a global problem, and I believe Daddy will judge. Now, remember, the judgments of God in Revelation are not brought on by the devil. They are brought on by God. And the Bible says he has not appointed his bride, his church, to his wrath. That's why I look for the Lord to come and take us home. But while we're here, we want to be salt and light. And Carol, to answer your question, I don't think any 13-year-old knows what they are. I think that changes with the wind. But I do believe for all of us that are parents, you need to be very careful what you allow your children to be subjected to. Much of the movies and the movie producers that once 20 years ago produced good movies now are producing movies with a complete different twist and a very, very dark agenda. And we need to be aware of what our children are doing, where they're going on their computers, what they're watching on their, on their, uh, on their uh, TVs, uh, in their bedrooms when they're not around you and me. See, we, we need to know that kind of stuff. Well, they, you know, I don't want to invade my child's privacy. You better. You better. Because let me tell you something. Hollywood doesn't care about invading your child's privacy. They don't care about influencing your children and your family. We need to be. Take, take heed, mom and dad. Be good parents to your children. Carol, I would just say to uh, somebody that would say that to me, just say, honey, you know, when I was... When I was 13, I felt all kinds of things. You're not gay. <laughs> you go through different things. People make these weird, crazy suggestions. Hey, it's not true. And and you just need to be very careful who you let into your life to tell you these lies. I think it's so important. Carol, I hope that helps. Well, I have just um, one thing to add. His father apparently just said, oh, well, okay. Well, sure, he doesn't care about his kid. You know, there's there's something else going on. I don't believe any parent. I I remember when I was a kid. Uh, you know, uh, the, having your pants half off. Remember that it's kind of gone. It's uh, not so much now. But you know, uh, there was I forget what it was. America's Got Talent. Or some guy came on and acted like a fool with your pants on the ground. I I don't know if you remember that. Anybody listening, sorry, I digress. But anyway, the point is, I remember my dad saw that, and um, he saw that uh, because he kind of did a video with gangsters walking around with their pants almost off. And my dad looked at them and looked at me and he said, you know what's sad? And I go, what? And he goes, those kids don't have a dad. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, any father that cared about his kid would tell him to put their pants up and put their belt on. It's true. And I think we see a lot of this abnormal behavior because parents don't care. They're into making their money. They're into getting stoned and loaded every day. They're into their TV. They're into their own world. They're into making the big bucks and could care less about their children. So really, Carol, I would, I would probably address the father of this son 
And I would say, what are you doing letting your kid be influenced by this? If he says, well, my dad doesn't care, then I would call dad and say, what do you mean you don't care? What are you doing? And bring him into accountability. Hope that helps, Carol. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Yeah, go to the source. Go to the source or that which can correct it and correct that. Because, again, 13-year-old kids, they got hormones flying all over the room. They don't know what they are. Uh, You know, again, a 13-year-old kid will polish off five bags of potato chips. They don't care about their health. They don't know. They're kids. That's what makes them kids. They don't know. So address the parent who is supposed to be guiding them and saying, hey, I thought you're supposed to love your kid. Why are you letting them watch this junk? Why are you influencing them this way? Why are you saying you don't care? What's wrong with you? And that's what I would do. And I'd certainly talk to the mom about it as well. Carol, stay on line. Send you out some books, some DVDs. Happy New Year to you, okay? Happy New Year to you, too. God bless you, Carol. Thanks so much for the call. Let's go to Gary, Alabama. Hi, welcome. Hey, Pastor Mike. How are you? Good. How may we help? Well, uh, I'm back in my uh, favorite book, Revelation, oh, yeah. and I'm reading it today, and I actually came across a couple of different things I want to ask you about. Okay. Uh, first of all, in Revelation 7-3, it talks about, do not harm the land or sea or the trees till we put a seal on the foreheads of our servants. In mm-hmm. 9-4, uh, it talks about, do not harm the grass or the earth or plant or tree, but all those who do not have the seal on the forehead. So I had missed that before. I'm very familiar with Revelation 13 through 16, where it talks about the mark of the beast on the forehead of the right hand. But I had never paid any attention to the seal on the foreheads of the servants of God. Mm-hmm. And also, the um, there were talks in Revelation 5, 1 about, I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll. So what I'm wondering, Pastor Mike, is, is this significant since, since the mark of the beast is going to be on the forehead and the right hand, and the right hand is mentioned with God and also the forehead. Well, yes, and and here's where we get that from. If you go to Revelation chapter 7, you'll find that God singles out 12,000 Jews from the 12 tribes of Israel. This is what the Bible says. They are male They are virgins. They're not Jehovah's Witnesses any way, shape, or form. It very clearly tells you what tribe they're from by name. They are men, and they are set apart to serve God during during the tribulation period. And God puts a mark on their foreheads. Okay? That's the first time we find a mark on the forehead is God's mark on the 144,000 Jews that are male. Revelation Chapter 7. Then we find the Antichrist with his counterfeit mark, Revelation chapter 13, on the hand or on the forehead, and Satan is numbering his crowd. And so that's where we get that. Now, when we go to Revelation chapter 5, the scroll, I believe the scroll is the title deed of the earth. And the reason why, because if you go back into Jewish history, uh, the deeds as we have today, we have a title fact and different companies that handle deeds and different things like that. It is recorded. And I believe the title deed of the earth is recorded. And before Jesus can read the scroll, the seals are popped off. And every time a seal is popped off, these cataclysmic things 
break out on the earth. They're judgments of God on an unbelieving world. Now, why would these seals be popped off in order for Jesus to enroll the scroll with the idea of reading it? It's because we know God is a righteous God, and God judges an unrighteous world for their behavior for God to take the world back. And so we know the judgments of God fall on this world because of the rebellion towards God. And then we find that Jesus takes the earth back immediately after the tribulation and sets up his thousand-year reign. I hope that helps. It does. It, it just it just struck me as, he, as yet another counterfeit where he's using something that God has created for his own purpose. Absolutely. He is the master counterfeiter. Uh, and all the way through the Bible, you'll you'll see how Satan uh, uh, counterfeits. Uh, this is what the cults are all about. Uh, have a have a religion that uses the same words in the Bible: uh, Heavenly Father, Jesus, salvation, redemption, but in the cults, completely different definitions. Heavenly Father to a Christian is the eternal God, part of the Trinity. In a, in a Mormon's uh, theology, now I'm not saying every Mormon, I'm saying if you follow the teachings of the LDS Church, Father is Adam who ate of the tree and fell in the garden. What? Yeah. That's who Father is in the Mormon Church. Now, if you're a Mormon listening, don't get mad at me. Ask your bishop. Because... I found so many people in these different religions and even in Christianity that don't know what they believe, and they actually have a biblical understanding of the Bible where it's completely different than the doctrine of their church. So you want to look at that. And so when we talk about redemption, salvation, who even Jesus is, the Bible says he's God incarnate on this earth. He shall be called Emmanuel, Matthew chapter 1. He shall be called Emmanuel which translated means God with us. Hey, right there, we know who God is. But the Jehovah's Witnesses, oh, no, no, he's not God. He's Michael the Archangel, a completely different Jesus. And this is exactly what Paul warned people about preaching another Jesus. They use the same words, same vernacular with completely different meanings. And so initially when you start talking to somebody, they're using all the same words. Oh, well, they're a believer. They're a Christian. No, no, no. You, when you talk to people, when they say, well, we believe in in father, you say, well, who's father? Is he God almighty? The only God in the entire universe? Oh no, we're going to be God ourselves someday. Or who's Jesus? Well, you know, he was one of the greats, as I said earlier in the program. These are things we have to be extremely careful of in the days we're in. And so I hope, I hope that helps. It does. And, and thank you for, for clarifying God's word through God's word. You are a blessing and we look forward to following you into 2024. Well, follow Jesus. He's the one we need to follow. But I'm going to tell you, everybody, hold on to your car keys. I think 24 is going to be a wild ride. And so with that, as I say, blessings to all of you. The last uh, 
To every man and answer of this year, I just want to say the Lord bless you and keep you in this new year. To Good find night. out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes Store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 